Sarah Connors, uh, Saskia Stewart calling, a uh, long-time host, first-time caller, would like to know your thoughts on everything that's going on in IndyCar this week. Uh, I'll hang up and listen for your answer. Oh, my God. Everything happened today. Literally everything happened today. I don't even know where to begin. The season ended two days ago. We're recording this Tuesday night, and I was sad for a day, and then all of a sudden, silly season stuff actually started happening. Joseph Newgarden is going to Penske, Sasky. I don't know how to deal with this. Everything is great. <laughs> what do we do? Well, look, before we, we... We started talking earlier this morning about today's show and what we were going to talk about. And then at about 3 p.m., I saw this, this racer article appear about Alexander Rossi. And it's like, well, there is a, there's at least 15 minutes. And then and then everything happened. So we're not going to start with everything happening. We're going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back we're to that. We're going to circle back around later, at a later we're time. We're going to loop back around, close this circle, you know, connect the dots. Uh... We're going to start where we normally start. We're going to talk about women in motorsports. Um, there is not a lot happening in women in motorsports this week. There is no GP3. Uh, there is no, there's not a lot lot going on in the world. But you listened to a great podcast. I did, yeah. So there is a series of... With Sarah Fisher. Yeah. There's a series of podcasts uh, called Dinner with Racers. Um, it was a season-long series that I believe ended last November. Um, and one of the people that was interviewed by these two guys who race in sports cars was Sarah Fisher. Um, they had never met her before the podcast, so they had spent a whole bunch of time on her Wikipedia page and whatnot. Um, I really, really recommend listening to this particular episode, and we'll pop a link in the, in the description of this episode. Um, she tells some amazing stories, like some absolutely amazing stories, including one where... Uh, they found a footnote in her Wikipedia bio that she had tested a Formula One car at Indianapolis. A McLaren Formula One car. In 2003. Now, that was a really damn good car, first of all. And second of all, there was no information on Wikipedia about, like, the details of this. Um, so she filled them in. It was Kimmy's backup car. She literally drove Kimmy Raikkonen's car. Um, and she was talking all about how, you know... It was just a demonstration. It wasn't a test. She wasn't providing them feedback or anything. But just, it was like a connection between F1 and IndyCar and them appreciating each other because F1 was running at the Speedway. Um, and she talks about, you know, how McLaren was so excited to have a woman driving for them in this in this demo. She was the first woman in this century to drive a Formula One car. Um, and just all sorts of other stuff that was just really cool. And talking about Ron Dennis and talking about... You know, chatting with David Coulthard, who who was driving for them at the time, and Kimmy being really angry that she was using his car, and just, oh my gosh, the whole story is too funny. Um, and yeah, she talks all about, you know, being a team owner, and uh, how her driving career went, and how the transition from driver to owner went, and being a woman in all these different roles, and talks a little bit about how her kids have massive crushes on Joseph, and it's just, the whole thing is delightful. Um, it's a She's going to say, who doesn't have a massive crush on Joseph Newgarden? Literally no one. <laughs> like, Joseph Newgarden appeals to every, sim- every single demographic. He's just objectively a delightful person. Uh, you can't really deny that. Um, but yeah, definitely, if you have a chance, give this episode a, a listen. You know, if you're into other forms of motorsport, um, they interview a lot of sports car people. Um, they did also interview Simon Paginot, which was another really good episode. So, yeah, Dinner with Racers. It's pretty excellent.
Well, I know what I'm going to have to listen to this week on my rides to and from work. Uh, big Sarah, like, love Sarah for sure. I actually had to talk to someone, uh, I was talking to someone this week about IndyCar, and they were like, oh, I haven't been an IndyCar fan for a while, but I used to be massively in love with Sarah Fisher. I was like, yeah, I feel like if I had been an IndyCar fan when she was driving, I would have been... I mean, she actually... All about Sarah Fisher. I'm still about Sarah Fisher, and she drives the pace car. Seriously, she and she was competitive when she was in IndyCar too, which is pretty awesome. Um, she was the first woman to stand on the podium, first woman to score a pole. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty great, and I wish we still had women in it. As usual... As usual. There's just this moment of moment silence, silence to, to recognize. Be sad about this. To recognize the loss of hundreds of career, potential careers. Oh my god. <laughs> to sexism and men in sport. Moving on, let's talk about Formula One because we went to Singapore this weekend and I love the Singapore Grand Prix. It was so good. You know, usually Singapore can be a bit of a parade. It's mostly like cars driving around in a circle, real fast and then some cars dying because it's hot out um i look visually but it's beautiful singapore is just i i love singapore at night the lights the my literally the moment where someone crosses the line and then the fireworks follow them down the main straight is my favorite is one of my favorite moments in like formula one there's just something about it that appeals to me like oh it's pretty i mean it, it looks really good um and thankfully this year someone that we all enjoy won the race which was very nice um speaking of which uh there were two really good battles in the the whole race this year which is two more than usual um let's, okay let's let's start from the beginning of the race sarah connor's okay that the, Nico oh, Hulkenberg no. did not even get to the first corner um, before he was into the wall. And, and Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because you know what? It was entirely Max Verstappen's fault. No, yeah, it was. Okay, no, it was a combination of Max Verstappen and Carlos. No, but you know what? Verstappen so was a giant big- slowed down. And then everything happened behind him because they were hitting the brakes to try to figure and, out well, what's but no, but going on I don't even think Verstappen slowed down. Verstappen got a bad start, at which point Carlos Sainz had to do this and Nico Hulkenberg had to do that. And what I find remarkable is that Hulkenberg managed to spear his car, not at all by him in any way, across the front of two cars and did not hit anything yeah, else. Yeah, just himself. That's, that's a sh- damn shame, that poor guy. Someday he'll get a podium, and someday it will be wonderful. Watching him literally fly across the front of two cars, I was like, how did this not end up worse? Like, I was, like, just the trigger of everything, and then they had even got to the, the first, they would literally gone 50 metres, and Hulkenberg is in a wall, and there's that moment where he gets out of the car, and he literally just walks back across the track and into the pit lane. And there's that photo that Renault shared on Twitter. And it's Nico Hulkenberg walking through their pit their pit box, like through their mechanics, head down, helmet on, just like No one look at me. <laughs> and then his his interview, so he obviously goes to the press pit and his interview is so sassy. He's like well, basically, I had the best start I've had all year, and Max Verstappen can't start, and then Carlos Sainz did this, and so it's everyone else's fault, which it was, but it was just so funny, his delivery. He just was like, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sassy German 101. Yeah, the, definitely the angle that they showed it from at the beginning, it looked like there was a lot more carnage than just his car being taken out of the race. Um, it looked a lot, a lot worse than it was, which, I mean, obviously, thank goodness it wasn't. Um, so, you know, they get the safety car out, they get the safety car out, they clean everything up, and then they take the safety car off, and there's still a marshal on the track. Um, and you know what? The funny thing is, it's right in front of all these signs that say, you know, think before you drink and drive or whatever. How about you think before you fucking decide when to take the safety car off? Like, check and make sure all your people are okay, please. And... And also, look, my favorite part of this was the meme that Kevin Magnuson reshared today today on Twitter. And it's all these cars coming towards the marshal. And also in the picture is the gopher from Canada, some pigeons, Fernando Alonso on a deck chair, Fernando Alonso slide tackling someone, uh, Fernando Alonso sticking his head out into the pit lane, um, the oh, lizard. No. <laughs> So basically everything that has been memed from this season so far was in this one thing and Kevin Magnuson posted it just with laughing emojis. Like the, literally the only thing it was missing was Kevin Magnuson as a banana. Oh yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that one. I'm, I'm glad I had forgotten but about that one. As you as you started before we looped into Nico Hulkenberg, there was some awesome battles in this weekend's race and both of us had a personal favorite in in what I call Daniel Fiat holds a grudge part like 25. You know, I'm glad that he's not just sitting down and taking this. Uh, I'm glad that he's taking the fight to Max. I don't like Max Verstappen, so you know, that's fine. And you know what? I it, it was a great battle. It worked out fine for both of them. They, you know, duked it out and it was a great show for everybody. And no one came out on the pointy end of it. I think Daniel Fiat is a great driver. And he showed his competitiveness in the last couple of races and this weekend, particularly against Max Verstappen. Do I think Daniel Fiat is going to be in an F1 card next season? No, absolutely not. (laughs) Not for Toro Rosso, at least. Definitely not. Because why would you leave the guy that is clearly not going to take over either of the two spots in your top team because you've already booted him out of the top team? Why would you leave him there? There's no incentive for you. Like, like, like if I'm Pierre Gasly, I'm like, yep. I'm going to probably win the GP2 championship. I would prefer him to get second, but uh, I'm probably going to win the GP2 championship and then you're going to let me drive a Toro Rosso because you would be stupid not to. So yeah, that was that was a good, good little scrap there. Good, good for him. I loved how excited the commentators were over it. They were like, yeah, that's right, Daniel Fiat. Yeah, like, look at it go. I was like, wow, anyone would think you had a problem with Max Verstappen, which we all know you don't, which we will discuss later. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Battle number two wasn't really a battle, but, you know, it was still kind of, you know, people putting pressure on Mercedes, which is not a typical thing these days. Um, and I wanted, I wanted it to go badly. Like, part of me really just wanted, part of me wanted the drama of Nico Rosberg losing because they made a decision to help Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo, like, taking the lead. Because, A, I would love to see Daniel Ricciardo win. Hello, my countryman. But B, 
I kind of just want to watch the world burn. Yeah, that's fair. And that is what that's would fair. On the flip side, though, I it is nice to see Rosberg pull more of a championship lead over Hamilton. Um, mostly oh, because totally. end game of this season is we need Rosberg to win the championship. We It's got to happen. Like, oh, please, yeah, at I, God. I, look, I respect Lewis Hamilton as a driver. And I think most of the reason people don't necessarily like Lewis Hamilton is because his fans make you not want and to the like British him. British media they are make garbage. You want to li- Let's be real. Exactly. Most of my problems with Lewis Hamilton aren't attributable to Lewis Hamilton himself. But I am not here for a third year of Lewis Hamilton Formula One champion. Not in a like, row. No, champion. please. I'm just, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. Um, and because, like, you know that Rosberg isn't going to be a horrible champion. Like, it'll be fine. Um, and, and Lewis Hamilton isn't a bad champion. It's just everything that comes with Lewis Hamilton being the champion. That it's just like, I get it. I get it. I'm, I'm not watching Sky F1. I'm watching Lewis Hamilton F1. Like, I I, I am glad that the team helping Lewis more did not go badly for Rosberg. Because you know that everyone would have jumped on that storyline. And it would have just been horrendous for everybody involved. Uh, um, yeah, you would have been like, uh, uh, yeah. I yep, do. Like, we would I be, do also. We'd be in Brazil and still talking yeah, about. I do also really love, and by love I mean despise, the duality of how the British media treats it when one of the two loses the championship lead. Like when Rosberg lost it initially to Hamilton, it, all the headlines were, oh, you know, Hamilton's got this in the bag. Like Rosberg can't handle the pressure of of having the championship lead. Blah 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 blah. Uh, and now Hamilton loses the lead. Didn't Rosberg's car die, yeah. like, repeatedly? Yeah, yeah, it's it's stupid. So Hamilton loses the championship lead, and everything is like, oh, he's fine, he'll get it back. It's it's not a big deal. He's not stressed out about it. Like, okay, uh, all right, like, that's fine. Has So, if I'm correct, what, Nico has won the last four races in a row? And qualified on poll for most of these or a large portion three of these four races so like he's like he's yeah. doing okay and you know that at the like, end of i think he's handling the you know pressure. That at the end of seasons like those are the races where he's excellent you know after after the usgp last year i think he won every race remaining in the season he won at yeah. mexico yeah he won the last three races and then he won what mexico brazil abu dhabi and then the first four to the st- the first four to start this season. Yeah. So we're not going into tracks that like that that don't favor Nico Rosberg. What have we got left? We've got Malaysia, Japan. USGP, Mexico. USGP, Mexico, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi. So, it's, yeah, yeah, he's... Uh, frankly, I would like to see, you know, a non-Lewis driver win in America. Because um, this will be my fourth time. And, I well, Vettel the first year was cool. Uh, that first podium was actually pretty delightful. Uh, Vettel, Grosjean, Weber. Um, and then last year, yeah, last year was Hamilton, the year before so was what, Hamilton. So what, 2010? No, sorry, 2013. As I said that, I was like, uh, no, pretty sure Weber didn't. I was like, Weber did not, like... The USGP def- did not exist in 2010. At least not in its present Yeah, as form. I said that, I was like... I don't know where you came up with the number 2010, because, like... Yeah, yeah. So that, I mean, yeah, there's no proof to the, you know, these these stories that he can't handle the pressure, because he obviously can. Um, especially, 
going back to look at the actual race itself, you know, the whole race you're hearing, you know, break issues, break issues, break issues. You can see the brake discs inside the tires glowing red as these cars are going around the corner. The U.S. commentators mentioned them a whole bunch of times. Um, And whether or not that was manufactured drama and they were just being careful, you know, Rosberg led the entire race comfortably and, well, until the very end, um, never really seemed to make any slip-ups on track. You cannot tell me that this guy can't handle pressure, you know? Oh, no, no. Look, the guy is half Finnish, okay? (laughs) Well, Germans, I mean, come on. You're basically a winning combination right there. Yeah, he's half Finnish, half German. Like, like, that is, that is a very calm, like, he's practically like Tag Heuer. Do not crack under pressure. He don't. He good. Like, there's not that many races where you can say they, they pressured him and there's not that many races where they pressured him and he screwed up. Like, that is a perfect segue, though. Tag her, uh, parking back to last year's Singapore Grand Prix. You know who's sponsored by them now? <laughs> who is it going to be? Like, come on, man. Who else am I going to get excited about? Alex, Alex Rossi? Yeah, they sponsored him. Okay, because I was like, I was like, look, my <laughs> instinct is to answer Alex okay, Rossi in the same way that every Trust time. Trust your I look, instinct, man. Alex Rossi, Alex Rossi is your Mark Webber. You can figure out some way yeah, to link true. it back. In, no, no, no. In fairness, like, like, he's still relevant. Zing. No. Hey. Yeah, I know. But I was thinking about That's this true. the other day. And I How was like. How far into the podcast? Look. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Just going to point it out. You mentioned Mark Webber before I did on this show. And I also I think did. I haven't mentioned him. You haven't. In, in any situation bit. where he actually wasn't present. Because <laughs> I feel discussing him because he was drinking from a shoe on a podium is relevant. Because he was actually there. But I was thinking about this. The other day, I was like, well, for all the grief that Sarah Connors gives me for managing to make things <laughs> to draw tangential connections back to Mark Webber, she I does do the, the exact, exact same thing. thing. Um, my, uh, the shoey thing, apparently he's only going to do that when he wins now, which is pretty cool. Like, Yeah, which is great, yeah. but like, because, because. It's also fucking disgusting. Uh, like, I'm sorry. It's amazing because it's so gross, but it's also so Australian. And there's that part of me. Listen, it doesn't matter about germs. Just do the thing. If you get sick, I love my country like you love your country. But it's also really difficult to find things that are like to be gung ho about as Australians because we're not gung ho about anything. Australians' attitude to everything is like, she'll be right, mate. Like, we are some of the chillest people you can meet. Like, there are, did, did you, you may have seen this on in the news, I think last year. There was an Australian surfer and he was surfing in competition and a shark swam up next to him and grabbed his board and he punched the shark in the face and swam that. away. Like, that is the most Australian thing ever. And they were like, how did you deal with it? He's like, well, there was a shark and I hit it. And now I'm okay. And I was just like, yeah, sweet. Cool story, bro. Great. But I mean, oh my God, Sarah, I'm going to have to send this to you. I found, and this is slightly unrelated, but I feel you would appreciate it because you have a fondness for sparkly eagle gifts. I found the most Australian gift ever yesterday. And it is a Barbie doll. 
with shrimps being thrown. Oh no! (laughs) (laughs) And I sent it to like five people and assessed my and adjusted my assessment of them based on how long it took them to understand. Throw another shrimp on the Barbie. I mean, come on, that's. Well, Immediate. several people were like, I don't oh, no. get this. No, no, no. It's just like... You have to cut those people no, out of your life, Saski. You gotta do it. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> wow. I actually have a whole folder. I'm like, do you have a folder on your phone of America-themed no, gifts? No, but I have a folder on my computer of America-themed gifts, and I need to figure out how to transfer it from my computer to my uh, to my phone. We'll figure that out later. Well, I have... I have a phone, th- a, a, a folder on my iPhone of gifts, and it's like Australian flag, kangaroos, kangaroos fighting each other, koalas fighting each other, a quokka, you know, like uh, sharks, just all these like Australian things that I may need. You never at, know at when you need, need to just bust one of those out. Like that's the point. But back to back to Daniel Ricardo, I I desperately wanted him to win because. I really want an excuse to sing my national anthem for a Formula One race again. Because uh, during the Olympics, I got to sing the national anthem quite a few times. And I forgot how much I enjoy singing my national anthem at sporting events. Like, where Australia has done well. Because Australia doesn't play anthems before all sporting events i know it's weird like we kind of started doing it because it's like an american thing but australia is this country where also most of the country thinks our national anthem is terrible and doesn't like it yeah i mean so we're pretty like blase to about be the perfectly whole thing honest, like most countries don't do that like i think it's yeah. just us in canada well, I think you guys do it, and it started to, like, peter into, like, other Anglo, Anglo-English-speaking nation sporting things. But anyway, back to Singapore. We need to talk about the fact that apparently you can't overtake in Singapore, and Sebastian Vettel calls bullshit on that. Oh, jeez, yeah, seriously, that was incredible. If, um, if Sebastian Vettel had qualified, like, where he should have, we're not talking about Nico Rosberg winning that race. Like, Sebastian Vettel is winning that yeah. race. Well, you have to take into account the fact that Ferrari fucks up their strategy pretty consistently now, so maybe not, honestly. Um, no, true. They screwed true, Kimi Reckoning all... over pretty damn badly this time. I love the Kimi, you know, my, some of my favorite fans on Twitter are the Kimi Reckoning conspiracy theorist <laughs> fans. Because they are absolutely convinced that there is a actual plan to screw Kimi Raikkonen over, and you're like, you know, I feel bad, like, but also maybe, no, maybe let me let me Amazon Prime you some tinfoil, but okay, <laughs> got some right here. Um, we we can give it. We can we can share some with the Nico, uh, not the Nico, the Lewis Hamilton fans. Tinfoil for everyone. Oh my god, Sarah, I tweeted this out uh, late last week. Uh, I met a Lewis Hamilton fan at a networking event and I was talking about my love for motorsport. She's like, oh, I love motorsport. I love Formula One. I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan. And my initial response was, I literally looked at her. I was like, oh, no. She's <laughs> like, what? And I was like, oh, that wasn't the appropriate reaction, was it? Oh, I'm so sorry. And I said to her, she was like, I, I, why? Why is that a bad thing? So she's a Lewis Hamilton fan that doesn't know anyone else who is a Lewis Hamilton fan. See, that's fan, okay. Like Who just watches on TV because her dad watches, and while watching on TV, she's become a Hamilton fan. She actually has no idea why people dislike him in that. So I was kind of like, well, actually, you know what? You're, you're, like, you're okay. 
I get this, yada, yada, yada. She's like, my dad's a big Ferrari fan and I'm a this and, and so forth. So it was a bit, like, it was kind of funny. But, but I just had a laugh because my first reaction literally was, oh, no. <laughs> and then the rest of my brain was like, you said that yeah, out why, 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 why? Um, yeah, no, honestly, like, I do know some good Hamilton fans. It's just the ones on the internet that trash boys. So bad. So bad. I just, I can't, I can't. It's fine. Everything's fine. They're like, <clears throat> I was going to draw an analogy to hockey fans, but then I was just like, ah, I don't know. They're like most hockey fans, actually. Like, most of the garbage hockey fans. Yeah. That are- there's a, there's some strong yeah, parallels Yeah, garbage, garbage hockey fans are not like demographic specific or, or not like team specific. They're just like, everyone is out to get their team and the NHL hates their team and yada, yada, yada. You're just like, hmm. The NHL doesn't have time to hate your team, but okay. Yeah, seriously. Um, so today, like specifically today, being, you know, the 20th of September 2016, is the one year anniversary of last year's Singapore Grand Prix. I- I'm gonna, I'm making this point. Like, I don't even care. We're gonna use this to segue into You only really remember this because it time hopped you all the It does, but today. I also like remembered it anyway because I remember sitting on my couch and like screaming as Lewis Hamilton's engine died. Um, <laughs> so obviously you all know that last year was Rossi's debut in Manor at Singapore after getting signed that Wednesday to, you know, a driver position two days before FP1 when he binded into a wall and everyone was just like, he's never going to cut it. Um, cue the race where he came in 14th. It's pretty actually, you know, pretty good. The point is that Lewis Hamilton, I think DNF'd last year. He did DNF, Yeah. But as he's, like, slowing down on the grid, and Rossi's catching up to him, it suddenly occurs to me that Rossi's also ahead of Jensen Button and Will Stevens. He beat every British driver on the grid in his debut, and until the next race, he was the only driver who was undefeated against Lewis Hamilton. Boom, shakalaka. What a great day. I literally just, I, oh my god, what a great time. Like, I just, you know, you get it. It's just so much fun to be an asshole about your country when we're usually not good at a thing, and suddenly we are sort of not still good at a thing, but we're there! I'm trying to think about, I'm trying to think about what, uh, like, what I've been an asshole about for Australia, and my only analogy really would be being obnoxious to English cricket fans, but, but the thing is... We are fucking great at cricket, so it's not like being obnoxious when no, you're not, it's not used the same to it. Thing. Like it's a different this level. This is a thing of that we are literally garbage at as a country, and finally we've made it. So I'm gonna be a total jerk about this for the five races. I'm that gonna I put. Have. I'm just gonna point out the fact that you were super psyched because you finally made it when your driver came. Listen, 14th. that's not twenty second. Boom. <laughs> he beat eight drivers, yes. and it was for what? It was for a week. Maybe two weeks? Um, no, I mean, he came in 12th at Coda. Yes, but did Lewis Hamilton oh, yeah, also yeah, beat yeah. him but at whatever, Coda? it's fine. Listen, give me those two weeks. <laughs> those two weeks were the most majestic motorsports weeks of my life to okay, that point. Okay, so, as we know, as we know, um, Alex Rossi no longer races in Formula 1 because he's racing an IndyCar, uh, which was the most obvious segue in the history of this podcast. Um, IndyCar wrapped up its two-short season in Sonoma this weekend, and we had 
a race win and a championship win from everybody's favorite Frenchman who loves crepes. Simon Paginot! Finally. Simon Paginot. Sarah Connors. I watched this race today, but as the IndyCar expert here, you were going to tell us about it because I suck at any form of motorsport analysis. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not that great either, but it's just, I, I can yell about this for literally hours and you, you know... Rain me well, in. we're not going to yell about it no. for hours because we're going to try and keep the show under an hour. An effort will be made. <laughs> so the really nice thing about watching race cars on Sunday was that we got to see two drivers completely deal with a lot of pressure uh, and kill it from pole. You know, Simon qualified on pole. Uh, his championship contender, Will Power, qualified fourth. Um... And yeah, he drove away with it from the beginning. I think he had a three-second lead by lap three. Uh, it was awesome. You know, power could have had a chance. It would have actually been really nice to see both of them on the podium, regardless of who won, because unlike Formula One, this is a series where they had to take, like, goofy MMA-style photos before the race of them, like, pretending to fight each other. And they were trying not to laugh, like, the whole Will time. Willpower is the least convincing person oh in my that God, photo they're... ever. Except for maybe I know, Simon Pagin. it's beautiful. So, you know, it would have been really cool to see them both on that podium, like, you know, showing respect for each other and all that stuff. But no, Willpower's car died uh, about halfway through the race, which was really, really upsetting. Um, apparently, a lot of people left the race after that happened because they were like, well, it's over now. It's hot out. We're going to leave. Which, I mean, I understand. Sonoma is... I, every time I see the Sonoma track, I'm like, can we just get some sprinklers? Uh, yeah. Do you know some how grass? bad the drought in California is right now? No, 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 no. I know that. But from a yeah, visual perspective, you look at it and it's like, oh. like It's all like, dirt, too. It's not sand. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's so yes. brown. And I find it quite difficult to kind of... The only nice thing... The only nice thing about the uh, the track being kind of located where it is, I mean, first of all, the track itself is amazing. Um, it's kind of tough to overtake there, but the flowing, like, elevation changes and corners are all, like, really cool. Um, it's the fact that if you go off the track even slightly, you're going to kick up this massive dust cloud, uh, and it's going to make things really hellish for whoever's right behind you, which we saw in practice... Did you see the little Scott Dixon video? <laughs> yes, I did. He's like, oh! No, no, no. So Will like, Power oh, kicked a... up a cloud of dust. No, no, no. Will Power comes road. across from and him. Scott Dixon made a little, uh, oh, wanking motion at him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was caught on video. Well, that's what I thought oh, he no, was no, doing. No. That. I thought he was doing, like, the no, Italian hand. he was, he was hand. doing one of these, which is beautiful. Um, Scott Dixon has no chill. And I love it. I'm so. I'm also pretty sad that that was the last race that we're going to see the Target livery. You know, they're out. They've. It was kind of interesting listening to the broadcast, uh, um, because they were like, "Well, Scott Dixon doesn't have a camera sponsor today, so we're going to call it the Target camera." And they talked a lot about Target, and like they like we had 400 people here. They've done everything they want to do in the sport after 27 years, and I was like. Um, I would say it's not that they've achieved everything they want to do in the sport. Uh, they just had to fold their entire Canadian business. Uh, they're probably reassessing their allocation of sponsorship Well, also funds. their CEO doesn't like racing. Their old CEO did. Yeah, so yeah. he's, you know, the only reason, yeah, so, I think the only reason they're still going to be in NASCAR for a couple more years is because the contract goes through, I think, 2019. Yeah, and that that's so, it. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was a good run. 
Um, yeah, the Canada thing kind of screwed him over, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, it. I don't know. I'm glad he won last year. I love Target. I miss Target. <laughs> sorry, you can. Sorry, you can come down to America and shop at Target anytime. Well, I'll be in America. I'll be in Boston in like two excellent, weeks. Excellent. I will literally be in Boston the week after the Do next. Do you want race. me to take you to Target while you're here? I have to find out when I'm coming or going. It's a work thing. We'll figure it out. No, I'm going to Primark. Forget Target. I'm going to Primark. <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll hang out. It'll be great. Yeah. Sounds um, good to me. Anyway, back to this race. Uh, yeah. So Simon didn't crack under pressure. You know, kind of more of that, you know, theme of Sunday, which was great. Um, Graham Rahal kind of was running after him at the end there. I think Simon's tires were dropping off and there was a question about whether or not he had saved enough fuel to like not have to coast over the finish line like a certain other driver had to do. Um, forever going to be salty about that. Do you know what that meant for the championship standings? No, 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 no. Did you, I'm sorry. Did you see the tweet today about don't be salty, be marinated? Yes. Oh my God. Because that is you. <laughs> You are no longer salting. It's Tuesday. You've been marinating in this for two I days have, now. Um, yeah, so, so you know, Graham Rahal pressuring Simon at the end was cool. It was also cool to see Juan Pablo Montoya get on the podium for only the third time this season, uh, which is really interesting because um, at the beginning of the season, Roger Penske kind of came out to the media and was like, you know, it's not guaranteed that we're going to have four cars next year. And everyone assumed that he was referring to Simon's car. Because, you know, Penske went from three cars to four cars for Simon. Um, so that he didn't have to replace any of his drivers. And what does Simon do? Simon goes out and blows the damn thing away. Like, that's amazing. Um, Helio does great. Helio comes in third in the championship. Simon's like, mm, I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's not even that. Helio comes third. Will Power comes second. Where is Juan Pablo Montoya? He has three podiums all season. Um, I think he had, like, six top five finishes, which is good, but it's not Penske good, you know? Uh, look, I, I am very fond of Juan Pablo. Happy 41st birthday to JPM today. But it's probably, like, retiring No, it's time. not. He's probably going to go to Ed Carpenter Racing to split the car with Ed Carpenter. No, 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 but I'm, no, 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 I'm meaning, like, he probably should retire, like... Maybe, but maybe just go for a title out of Penske. <laughs> Which is apparently going to happen, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, these threats that Penske made at this, veiled, very veiled threats, um, not that that was particularly what motivated Pagenaud or, you know, any of the other guys, but it's kind of shocking that Juan Pablo Motoya did not put up anywhere near the kind of numbers Especially considering that Will Power missed a race. Um, he missed St. Pete. He qualified on pole and then had such a bad inner ear infection that he couldn't race the next day. And Oriel Servia had to fill in. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's been... It was a good race. Yeah, uh, the, the thing with Rossi was that, you know, I had done all the math to figure out, like, what position does he need to come in to get a top 10 finish in the championship? And the spot he was in when he was racing in fourth, he was so close to getting a podium, too. Like, he was running right with Juan Pablo Montoya, and then he started dropping off the last couple laps, and I was like, oh, no. Um, by finishing fifth and not fourth, he dropped from eighth to 11th championship. 
My heart hurts. <laughs> but, but, by finishing fifth and not fourth, he drops from eighth to eleventh. What does this say about the parity of competition in IndyCar at the end of the the end of the season that that many places can be separated by so few points? Well, that's uh, that's what they were saying all race about third place in the championship. You know, uh, since Will DNF'd, if Helio had finished second, he would have taken over second place. Uh, as it was, Helio, Joseph Newgarden... Um, I believe Graham Rahal was right up there too. Okay, I'm pulling up the standings as we. Oh, I mean it's fine, speak. but like there were there were four or five guys in contention for third place, and that that's the point. Uh, right down to the last race of the season, like yeah, yeah the fact that the standings are that Ilio malleable. Finishes- Ilio finishes the race, the the season and third with 504 points, and Newgarden finishes in fourth with 502 yes. points. Uh, I believe also 10th, 11th, and 12th are all split by two points each. It might be 8th, 9th, and 10th. Yep, so, well, no, no, here we are. Whoa. Juan Pablo Montoya finishes in eighth at 433 points. Uh, Charlie Kimball finishes in ninth with Fucking 433 points. JPM having a win. Charlie Kimball raced in his 100th race I don't this give weekend. a crap. I don't care. I'm going to be salty about him forever. Uh, Carlos Munoz finished in 10th at 432 points. Alex Rossi finished in 11th at 430 points. And Ryan Hunter Ray finished in 12th at 428 points. Yeah, so you've points. got the top so three. to 12th was separated yes, by five You've got points. the top three Andretti drivers who are only separated by two points each, which is pretty awesome. And there's Marco. <laughs> I'm still scrolling down yeah, to find Marco. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a while. Well, no, where, no, here he is. Here he is. He's in 16th at 339 points. What a guy. And he's the first one to get sponsorship for next year. Fucking nepotism, man. Fucking nepotism. Anyway, so yeah, the, 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 the really cool thing about this sport is that, you know, there is that parody. And yeah, the Chevys were a little stronger. But some of the regulation changes that are coming in after next year um, are going to make that a lot closer, which is going to be really, really cool to see. Um, so we've got the, the arrow kits are all frozen for next year. So we've got one more year of probably Chevy being a little more dominant. Um, although it hasn't been decided which teams are going to go with Honda engines next year. So it'll be interesting to see who switches over, although it probably won't be that many teams because they know that the regulations are changing in 2018. Um, but yeah, it should be great. It should be really, really fantastic. I'm, I can't, I don't want to wait six months. <laughs> I don't want to wait six months. Um, well, look, at least you've got hockey to keep you occupied in the meantime. You have a whole season of the Bruins being Yeah, terrible. it's going to be great. And just when they finish disappointing you and it ends, IndyCar That's is true. back to lift you out of your misery. But that was Sonoma. Yep. And I would say we need to talk about silly season. But the first thing we need to talk about is dancing I've got on right behind me, and I'm trying to, like, see the updates. Look, I actually <laughs> thought at one point today you were going to tell me we had to postpone our podcast because recording it, no. so you could watch Dancing with the Stars, and I was like, no. Sarah Connors, <laughs> firstly, fuck you. Secondly, someone will get eliminated whether you are watching it or not. And thirdly, do you not own a DVR? I actually own a TiVo, <laughs> so it's perfect. I don't have either of them because I don't even have cable or TV like that. I watch everything on the internet, so that's another story. Uh, but we need to talk about Dancing with the Stars and the sheer delight 
and nationally now discovered treasure that is Canadian legend James Hinchcliffe. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I watched Joseph Newgarden's like vote for Hinch campaign. And just the way the way he does the intro. Hello. I'm IndyCar driver Joseph Newgarden. And I was just like, he's got it even down to the, 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 like, the steepled hands as he talks. And it's so funny because he delivers it in this kind of fake Joseph kind of personality. Right till the end and right at the last part, there's when he starts to tell you that you need to vote, there's, it just shifts slightly and it's this real earnest, like, you need to like, vote for Like, please vote for him. Like, we need this to happen. And it's just, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a delight to take one of your terms. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of a goddamn delight. Look, my love, uh, if any of somebody is like, why should I like Joseph Newgarden? I'm like, here's a photo of Joseph with a kitten. Come back to me when you've stopped cooing over it. We are starting with this. We start with this, we can end with this, this is all the evidence I need, here is Joseph and a kitten. And I mean, okay, so, Dancing with the Stars. Let's get back to this. Joseph is great, but he's not on Dancing with the Stars. Hinches. That boy, okay, Hinch can dance. Dude, I'm shocked. So we got two dances so far. We got the Foxtrot in week one and the Paso Doble, the Queso Lupe, as Hinch called it. The Pica de Gallo. <laughs> did you notice that they did the Macarena, like, before they started in week one? And he did the sprinkler in front of the judges. No, because I've only I've only watched the uh, the actual dances because I'm limited oh, okay. to what I can. Get. Well, yeah. So they did the macarena in front of the judges before their dance started, uh, and then they did the sprinkler uh, before they did their zombie dance this week. And just all of it is so good. Look, the best part the best part of the zombie dance is there's this moment where he like looks into the camera and like throws his arms above his head, which is a very which is a very traditional Paso Doble move. Anyone who's seen Strictly Ballroom, there's a lot of that in it. But the gif that like Connor Daly has just like when you got when it got you like whoa <laughs> like someone made that gif because Connor Daly is probably no, not that technical. I think also he adept. tweeted it with like when you score a pole at the Indy 500 and it's just the <laughs> the flailing arms up in the air like looking intensely into <laughs> the camera. Just, it has I wonder next year, next season. Like I feel like IndyCar is just going to use hinge gifts for oh, the entirety please. of next I hope season. So. Cuz by the time Dancing with the Stars finishes, uh like there's going to be like he's going to uh, he's going to be around for a while. I think so cuz he's in second right now. So and and he's he's such a popular popular person. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna get the high scores and he'll get the votes and it'll be great. So so far we're all good. Um, tonight is elimination night. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's gonna be Rick Perry because Rick Perry is a t- and a terrible human being. I was like, isn't he like like a bad person too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of shit. I I I don't know much about him. I, he is he's a U.S. political person, isn't he? He was the former governor of Texas. That should tell you everything. Oh. Yeah. So. Yeah, that tells me everything I need to know. Yep. So yeah, yeah. Uh, any other random stuff about F1 that we need to talk about? Look, I just want someone to put the Renault drivers out of their misery. Uh, yes. Sure. <laughs> because no, no, no. Because. 
Yeah, but but no, 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 no. Well, no, no, no. It's not the fact that I want someone to st- end their season. I just want someone to tell them whether they're going to get to drive the car next year or who's going to be driving the car. Because Renault were like, we're going to tell you by this day. No, we're going to tell you by this day. Actually, no. And like Kevin Magnuson is literally like, someone just like, just just tell me what's happening. <laughs> like, I just need to know. And, and the thing that does make me feel bad for them is if these two guys lose out on seats, they're going to lose out on a seat in, like, October, November. And all the all the Formula E drives are gone. Anything in IndyCar is gone. Most of the WEC drives will be gone. DTM drives will be... We're going to... Kevin Magnussen is going to end up in the same situation he ended up last season left sitting there being like well I got fucked over again and Kevin Magnuson has not been terrible this year he has done reasonably well in an absolutely terrible car uh I mean yeah that's true um like that car is it's bad. very bad that car the is fact not that good. manners can occasionally beat it is not really very great oh gosh um <laughs> yeah so yeah, it'd be nice to see where they're going. It'd be nice to, you know, not have them wait until two weeks before the season starts. That's probably it was quite happen, interesting because Renault were like, Renault were like, well, this will be the first drivers we've picked as Renault. It's like, um, what? I was like, I'm pretty sure you were Renault when you announced Magnuson and Palmer. Like, you were definitely not Lotus. Like, there was definitely no, because Magnuson was still with McLaren. Exactly, and Palmer was Palmer was just kind of floating in the void. He was the GP2 champion. He was with, yeah, but he, I think he was kind of, was he kind of associated with Lotus? Because I thought he was so, kind of associated with Williams, wasn't he? No, that's Alex Lynn. That is, a, no, it, this was before Alex Lynn. It doesn't matter. We're not going to look it up right now. Yeah, I was like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, I was like, someone, he was somewhere. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know, and I don't know what Sauber's going to do. I don't, you know, the silly season in F1 just isn't very fun. It's just kind of brutal. It's kind of sad because you're basically just watching, like, people's dreams get crushed for stupid reasons. And you're like, And you know that they don't really have other options at this point. Because you can't go back to GP2. You can't go... It's either, like, WEC or sports cars. And most of them won't come over here to do sports cars. No, and they kind of done it in a time frame that's not, like... They do it in a time frame that's, uh... It limits their other options. And it's kind of douchey, I guess, in that sense. Because it's like, well, we don't want you, but we don't want you in such a time that we've just ruined your chances for another year. We don't want you going anywhere else, but we don't want to let go of you. But then it puts you out for another year and blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, Sarah Connors, you need to talk about Silly Season because it's been killing you for the last 40 minutes. 48 hours? No, it's been killing me for basically... No, no, for the last 40 minutes. It's been killing you since 3 p.m. this afternoon. Okay, yeah, this has been killing me for the last 40 minutes. It's also been killing me for a long time now. And only today did stuff start to kind of finally fall into place. Um, so a few IndyCar silly season this year is just going to be bonkers. There are so many seats still open. Um, the only drivers that have been confirmed confirmed are at Penske, it's going to be Helio, Will, and Simon. At Andretti, it's going to be Marco... And Ryan Hunter Ray. There are two open seats there. At Chip Ganassi, it's going to be Scott Dixon, Max Chilton, Charlie Kimball, and then an open seat. Smith Peterson is fine unless they have an open seat for a third car, which might happen. 
Who's Smith Peterson at the Hinch moment? Hinch and Alation. Hinch? Alation. Alation, okay. I couldn't think of who what the yeah. second car was. Uh, Graham Rahal is Graham Rahal and possibly a second car that does not have a driver as of right now. KVSH, who the fuck knows? Dale Cohen Racing, I also have no idea. Ed Carpenter Racing, it's going to be Ed driving the ovals, a dude driving the other car full time, and someone splitting the car with Ed. We don't know who yet. So... This leaves a lot of drivers and a lot of moving pieces, and there have been rumors for, like, a couple months that Joseph is going to go to Penske, which is a lot. Um, and then, of course, the fourth Andretti seat, you know, he was linked to that one, too. Um, and no one knew what Juan Pablo Montoya was going to do, but apparently Roger Penske only wanted him to drive the 500. Uh, you know, and then... Roger Pesic is like, I'd hate to break it to Juan Pablo, but you're old and slow. So... I mean, he's not that slow, but like... Roger Pesic sees an opportunity, Roger Pesic is gonna, you know, fix his team to get that opportunity, and that opportunity is Joseph. So... Yeah, like, JPM is not winning any more championships. Joseph Newgarden, however, is the future. correct. Uh, So while we were at Watkins Glen... Um, the rumors also came out that Sebastian Bourdais was moving from KVSH to Dale Coyne Racing, which would probably put Connor Daly out of seat because um, Dale Coyne usually needs one driver to bring sponsors and then the other driver to be full-time who doesn't bring sponsors, and Connor Daly doesn't bring anything. So, <clears throat> unfortunately for him, um, I don't know what's going to happen. He's going to probably need to find another team. But, so today... You had the Bourdais rumor at Watkins Glen. Um, today, Penske, someone at Penske basically confirmed that Joseph was going because yesterday, the, like, this is the, it, there's so much drama and like, oh, we don't know what's happening. Everything is, you know, anything could happen. Uh, Alexander Rossi could go to Penske and everyone was like, what? Robin Miller, are you on crack? I think he was saying this during the race that there was a rumor that Rossi could go to Penske. And he asked Rossi about it after the race. He was like, so I hear Roger Penske wants you. And Rossi was just like, oh, that'd be nice. Um, (laughs) So the answer is no. No, the answer is, you know, maybe. But nobody knows for sure. So today, Robin Miller got confirmation from someone at Penske who was like, no, it's Joseph. It's Joseph, and we can't officially say that for 10 more days because that's how long his contract is with Ed Carpenter. Like, he's officially under contract until, I believe, October 5th. If I'm Ed, I'm like, just go. You're already gone. Just I know. Fly. You know, small bird leaving the nest of the tiny team. You brought us wins. Everything is fine. I'm so proud of you. Fly, my, my birdie. So. Make sure to hug Sarah seriously. on the way out. Um, yeah, so, so the dominoes are falling. Here we go. Let's all strap in and get ready for the ride. The Penske team next year is going to be Joseph Newgarden, Helio Castroneves, Will Power, and Simon Paginot. That is brutal if you are any other team on the field. Like, holy crap. I don't even know. So basically, we're just going to expect a four-way fight yes, to the death. probably. And it's but a very forward. respectful, happy fight to the death. But here's the thing that I love about IndyCar. We're talking about a championship where, what, Penske took out the top three, and no one's complaining about that because it's not like Mercedes. Like, they're all those individual teams within 
you know, they oh, they kind of are individual teams to an extent within a bigger team. So we're not like, oh, Penske wins everything. And you're just like, yeah, cool, whatever. Yeah, I think it's because the different guys at Penske all have a pretty equal opportunity to win any week. And, you know, they're not just fighting with each other. Every week, there are different people on the podium. And, you know, every week, it's going to be oh, different. I love parody. I love parody. Yes. Oh, my God. It's delightful. So, yeah, I don't know. It's good. Uh, wow. So, yeah, that so was... So, everyone that, is that, going everywhere, and no one knows, and hopefully by the time we record this next time, which will be October, we'll actually know what's happening. Everything is... To, to quote you on our Google Doc, everything is fucking lit. Fuck me up, silly seriously, season. Seriously, fuck me up, silly season. Mostly the reason I put that on there was because, uh, also, Rossi's gonna sign a three-year contract at Andretti. Yes! He's not going back to F1. He's not going to Penske. He's going to Andretti. He's staying in Andretti. I think he has a good chance. And for three years, which means he'll get two years of the new package. Uh, this is beautiful. I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. Everything is good. I'm ready for... But here's the thing, also. Alex Rossi signs three-year deal. He's not going back to F1. Probably, like, unless he, like, wins three championships and they're like, here's some money. Like, he's not leaving you, Sarah. He's never going to leave you. I know. I'm so hyped. Everything is great. Um, You're like, I can follow him around <laughs> the countryside again and again I can go watch new stuff. It's brilliant. I don't have to. Do you know what makes me sad? Do you know what makes me sad? That I discovered IndyCar in an era where they do not race in Australia. Because the IndyCar race in Australia is, like, if they do, like, the IndyCar race is 800 kilometers from my house. The Surfer's house. Paradise one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, maybe it's probably, like, 900. But it's still, like... You could drive that in a day. It's my country. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've totally done it in a day. Um, or you can fucking get or on that. a plane. That works, too. <laughs> no one drives anywhere Bro, I in drove to, I drove to Indianapolis you... this summer in one day, and I think that's, like, that is 800 miles which is a lot more yeah, than but, 900 kilometers. But here's kilometers. the thing, Sarah. Uh, Brisbane to Rockhampton, there is no major city the entire way there. There is a four-hour stretch without a 24-hour service station. So if you're driving at night, you have to fill up in this town. Otherwise, you're fucked. And also, for a large portion of it, uh, the highway has no lights, and it's one lane each way. That sounds like an adventure. Uh, by which yeah, I mean, so no, welcome to you. Australia. Uh, we're a big country with not a lot of people, and our regional infrastructure is not necessarily <laughs> not great. great. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, silly season's gonna be fun. It's also gonna be fun to experience the off season this year because I feel like so much stuff is gonna come out related to Dancing with the Stars. They always do a lot of fun off season videos and whatnot. Um, it'll be okay. This six months will go by quicker than we anticipate it. It'll be fine. We have Formula E. Formula E's coming back. <laughs> I love how you like talk. Formula E is back. Formula E starts October 8th in Hong Kong. It starts October 8th in Hong Kong. Second race of the season. They're going to Morocco. Yes, they are Marrakesh. So we are seeing Formula E in Marrakesh. And then we have like a three month off season. Formula E does not come back till late February it's at that point. It's because when they're in Buenos they Aires. had races in December and January, but it was early December and mid-January, and they were in South America, and those races didn't come back. So 
I think honestly, it's gonna no. take. Like, what did they lose? They lost Puta Dry. P- Puta, Puta Del Este isn't coming back. Puta, Puta and Del Puta Este is the other one. But um, so I think it's gonna take until about the fifth season for the schedule to like solidify and condense a little bit. Um, you know, with new venues popping up, they've got to figure out dates, and they've got to figure out dates, anticipating that maybe these other cities will come back, and it just. It didn't work out so well this year, but... And they got to try and balance it with WEC as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Which is a whole nother hot mess. But Sarah Connors, it is time. It is time to ask TGG some questions. It's true. We got a whole bunch this weekend too, or this week. I know. I looked at this and I was about to tell you how many they are, but you you labeled them yeah, by letter. I'm not counting. So um, <laughs> it was like there is I of them. There is there I. Is. Let's get right into this. So Joey, our good friend Joey, fellow Rossi fan, Joey of the Priuses. What will Rossi's Andretti colors be? Well, my hope is that um. They're going to be blue and yellow. So, sorry. I want Napa. I want the Napa colors. So, sorry. They're, they're Napa yes. colors because. That's all I want. I like the fact that they changed the, the liveries for certain things, but it's also like. I've watched a few races where I was like, what the f- Which, which fucking this? car is yeah. that? The worst thing is too. What is that? Why is Alex Rossi the those colors? The worst thing is too when like one of the other cars will take over one of the liveries that's usually on another car. Like when Graham Ray Hall is like bright red. And I'm always like, oh, is that Scott Dixon? No, it's Graham Rahal. Um, oh, or the, or I'm always like, is that Charlie Kimball? No, no, that's the, that's the Joseph, Joseph, no, Connor's car and Charlie Kimball's ride with insulin car. Those ones I was like, oh, what, uh, yeah, yeah, what? The spotter guides help. They put them out every race, but. Not True, really. but like my spotter guide is from Toronto, and I keep trying to use it. Oh yeah, it. no, that's not gonna work. No, they put them on. They put them out as PDFs on the website every week. Pretty helpful. Um, Marcus asks, where will Connor Daly end up with Bourdais seemingly in it coin? God only knows. And I hope it's. I hope it's IndyCar. I really hope it's IndyCar. Yeah. Um, maybe. He seems like a good guy. Maybe like... AJ Foyt. I don't know anything about his driving, but I mean, he seems like a good guy. I'd like him to keep racing. Dude, he... So the Dale Coyne car is not very... They never can... Mwah, mwah. Yeah, but he's still managed to get a podium this year. So, um, you know, he's a good driver, and it would be really nice to see him stick around. He's driven for AJ Foyt before, and AJ Foyt's drivers are both... Their contracts are both up after this year. And Jack Hawksworth didn't really do much this season. Uh, so it'd be nice to see him at Jack Foyt. Jack Hawksworth didn't do much, and he's out of money. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not like Connor Daly brings any either, but... um, No, but if you're going to have a choice between Daly and Hawksworth and no money from either, I'd be taking Connor Daly. Um, all right, our good friend of the podcast, Luke Smith, asks... I just put it out there, everyone is a friend of the podcast. I know, that's true. It's always the same questions from the same people every week, so not the same questions, but... Yeah, I actually looked at this and I was like, Rossi, Daly, Rossi, IndyCar... IndyCar, Millennials, <laughs> F1. How do, you, how do you engage the Millennials? Something. Like Danny Cat Steve is here. IndyCar. I was just like, oh, Sarah's going to have to ask like eight of, eyes of like all of these. Um, Luke Smith asks, what should Rossi do in 2017? Um, win lots of races with Andretti. Uh, who is <laughs> Yo, what kind of question is that? What, what should, should he do? He do? He should win. stay in IndyCar. Like, come Can on. I- He's... 
Yeah. I'm sorry, if you wanted a, like, logical, unbiased, non-passionate answer to this question, Sarah Connors is not the right person to ask her. But regardless, he should stay in IndyCar, because why would you leave this and go and be, like, a presenter? So I, I was arguing with people on Reddit today, which is never a good idea, but they seem to think that... I love that. It's like, I was arguing with people on the uh, internet because I thought it was a valuable you know what, use of I, my time. I was... Whatever, it's fine. Um... People seem to think that if Manor comes calling, that he's going to immediately run back to F1. And I'm kind of like, mmm, fam, they already tried that. He said no. Like, come on, man. He's like, I'm good. I'm good. Here's Just go go and talk to Esteban. Seriously, no. (laughs) Uh, Kale, Kale Putnam, our friend from Pocono and uh, Watkins Glen, asks, uh, would you rather see F1 at Sonoma or IndyCar at Singapore? IndyCar at Singapore. Oh, I did not realize what that question was. No, so I've read this question three times, and I was like, why are you asking me between the difference between going to Sonoma or going to Singapore? Like, that's what I thought the question was. And I was like, what a stupid question. But as I said that, I was like, oh, I would love to see IndyCar at Singapore because I think... A race series that is that competitive and that, like, parody and all of that. And I think IndyCar, IndyCar could probably overtake more at Singapore because I think the driving style and their willingness to be a little bit more argy-bargy could give them that. And visually, it's such a beautiful track. I would love to see it. Um, I mean, F1 in Sonoma, if F, Sonoma is not the... If I'm getting to put F1 on an IndyCar track, Sonoma is not the one that I'm like, that one. That one. It's the fucking Indy... It's the Indy 500 track. I want to see them go around Motor Speedway. <laughs> God. Uh, I mean, it's happened before. Yeah, but, like... Um, I think I'd rather see IndyCar at Singapore, too, because, you know, they're used to driving a third of their season on street circuits anyway. Um, and like you said, yeah, they're used to racing close with more parity. Uh, as we saw in St. Pete, sometimes that doesn't always go the best for everybody involved, but... Um, yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. And I, like you said, I don't think Sonoma is the best track for everyone. Um. It's just so bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I don't, I don't know. It's just it like. Fun. Um, RJ asks, what company not involved in IndyCar would you like to see as a sponsor next year? Um, I Anyone. would really like to see some of the big insurance companies in the States get involved. They've got a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah, look, anyone with a lot of money willing to activate their partnership with excellent digital media. Yes, exactly. Because I basically just want someone to put a lot of money in it and then make hilarious videos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there are so many companies that do it with other sports. I could just, I could just do a really good Nationwide is on your side ad. I just want to see, like, replace Peyton Manning with... Is that Peyton Manning in those Nationwide ads? Look at me trying to talk about the NFL. I think they do sponsor uh, a NASCAR, actually. Um, and I think part of what's going to happen is when, you know, as IndyCar grows back up in popularity, you know, with the split and everything and every all the sponsors that they lost through that, um, you know, it's got to do some work. And I think that once that work is put in... God, hold on a second. I'm so sorry. Time out. Apparently... We can leave this in. Uh, Hinch is watching the USA-Canada World Cup of Hockey game on his phone. Oh, oh, I'm so proud of him. What a delightful human being. Canada's finest, James Hinchcliffe. <laughs> 
I'm not even mad. I'm not even mad. But yeah, I'd like to see some of the, not you know, mad, bigger though. companies get back into it who sponsor stuff in NASCAR and maybe could also activate their brand in IndyCar. Because it's growing, you know? I love how we're like, just bring money and great brand activation. Because we clearly work with those kind of things. Yes, like, yes. I mean, an IndyCar is already good <laughs> industry digital, thing. like, kidding and Oh my themselves. god, IndyCar... IndyCar as an organization is, if anyone tells me who does good digital, I'm like, no, let's not talk about hockey. IndyCar is the start and IndyCar is the end. They, no one turns their athletes into brands and characters like IndyCar that's true. does. That's true. And that's what they need, you know? Um, yeah. Good. All right. Adam Johnson says, okay, I guess we were kind of just talking about this. How does F1, we IndyCar, and motorsports in general capture the younger millennial audience without resorting to gimmicks? I think IndyCar's nailed it. I think IndyCar does a great Yeah, they're not, it's not gimmicky. It's funny and entertaining without being gimmicky. IndyCar hasn't changed how they present a race. But they have created personalities and strong brands around those that participate in the race. They've created really strong emotional connections between fans and the drivers. You know, you want to support this guy. They're funny. They're this, they're that. You know, you are there for to, to, to watch them. And I think they've done it that way rather than changing the nature of the broadcast. They provide a great lot of resources for the broadcast. They have great commentators who don't take themselves too seriously, who know what they're talking about, who are funny, who are engaging. They have, you know, on cameras. They have great range of stats. Their accompanying second screen activations are brilliant. You know, you can listen to all the radios. You can track on your phone, all those stuff. They've kind of created the full the full package of digital in the right way. And they way. put that together with an amazing fan experience at the tracks. You know, you talk about creating, you know, personalities that people actually want to follow and cheer for. Well, what better way to continue that than by making them accessible to people going to the races? You know, you go to this race and you can meet any driver you want. Uh, there's no chance of that in F1 unless you, you know, creep around the back of the paddock for a couple hours and maybe you'll see someone from a distance and they will gaze upon you from whatever car they're getting into to escape the crowd. Like, and you know, obviously we've heard Bernie talk about the fact that, you know, they don't want to market this sport to younger people. They want to market the sport to rich old white dudes. Uh, which, you know, fine, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're gonna, those people are all gonna... You know, as crass as it is is to say, those people are all going to die off and you're not going to have a fan base. I think the thing F1 has has failed to recognize is that you do not have to choose a singular demographic to market your sport to. A Formula One at-track experience can, in many ways, still be tailored towards that rich people that buy your, your that kind of thing. But what they need to think is that those people who are now rich old white guys with money for that were at one point often younger fans who became a fan of motorsport. And what they haven't thought about is that that fan as a long-term pipeline. If you aren't getting people in at this point, when they become in that position to spend that money, decide where those dollars are going from a company perspective, all of that, Formula One is not going to be what they consider because nothing has engaged them with motorsports in the past. So they need to almost think about a in-track experience in two dual capacities and then a 
digital experience in that same younger demographic capacity. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, they need to start think longer, thinking longer term. Uh, Adam also asks, on standing starts for F1, uh, Martin Brundle's comments. I didn't hear a whole lot of them because I was watching the American broadcast, so... Okay, so would you like... So, Martin Brundle started this conversation about... F1 changed the idea of the starts because it wanted to push back on the amount of driver control in starts. So obviously a lot of the technical advancements took a lot of the control away from the driver and essentially allowed them to make less mistakes. They uh, automated a lot of these processes. And so Formula One pushed back on this saying, you know, drivers need to be able to start these cars. This is a driver thing. We would like to push that back. We saw Max Verstappen get a terrible start that really probably cost him a place on the podium. And Martin Brundle said, do we really want um, the drivers having that much control? Because Max Verstappen should be on the podium in this race. And he's not because he had a poor start. And I was like, this is a fucking stupid statement. And I'm going to take this back to Mark Webber. And the only reason I'm going to bring it back to Mark Webber is because this is a guy who was known for his inability for a long time to decently start a car race. It's actually like a running joke with Australian motorsport fans that starting races was never Mark Webber's strong suit. You know what? And But that's just it. If you fuck up the start of the race, you screw up the start of the race. You, as a driver, have to be awful to do it all. And Max Verstappen is 18. It is expected of him to fuck up the start of races. That's fine. He's going to screw up a few races and end up lower down the podium, lower down the standings than as he is expected to. And you know, one day, end of this season, midway through next season, it's all going to click and he's going to be fine. Max Verstappen is missing several years of seasoning in starting races that he may have got in the lower formulas. That he's trying to frantically make up for. And he will get there. But the idea that you should take away an element of the race. To tailor to one younger driver? like I actually, look, I don't think, I don't think his point was Verstappen specific. I think it was more because we were just, Verstappen was the example in that situation. And he was raising it as a more generalist thing. Because he says, well, how much do you want this kind of thing to impact the outcome of a race when we could have seen better racing. But I think in that sense, you are thinking of the racing in in kind of secular components. You aren't thinking of the race in a full picture with the fact that starting, oh my God, qualifying is part of it. How many drivers are brilliant at qualifying and terrible at races? There's a few of them, you know, and there's some drivers that just can't get their shit together and qualifying but you put them on a racetrack and like, holy hell, they can race, right? It's a it's, whole it's big also picture. Funny it's not that, just like these things don't you exist You know, think silence. about the only other driver who's been particularly terrible at starts recently. Who is it? Daniel Ricciardo? No. no, it's Lewis. Oh, it's, it's Lewis. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. So no, <laughs> I don't think he's max caping. I think that in general, it's just stupid. Um, and that, no, yeah, you don't yeah, need to tailor this to any particular driver. You need to give them a thing to do, and their ability to handle doing that thing should show how good of a driver that they are. That's it. Um, moving on. Uh, Ryan King wants to know, <laughs> IndyCar Silly Season, 
What is your reality, your expectation, and your nightmare? Well, I don't have enough time to go through the whole field, but I'm going to say the reality is that... Can I pa- Well, what do you want? Yeah, I guess? yeah, yeah. So the reality is, uh, <laughs> your nightmare is that no, that Alex Rossi doesn't get re-signed and I don't know, goes somewhere that isn't IndyCar or ends up driving for like AJ. Oh, I don't even care. As long as he's in IndyCar, he can or, drive wherever. Okay, so as That's long fine. as he's in IndyCar. Well, so your nightmare is Alex Rossi isn't in IndyCar. My nightmare is that he goes to Manor, expectation honestly. Is- like, that's 100% the nightmare. Like, <laughs> fuck you, Manor. Leave. I don't need you in my life anymore. No, your nightmare is that Alex Rossi goes to DTM. Oh, Jesus. Because at least, at least Manor comes to the US Grand Prix. Yeah, I guess if we're talking unrealistic nightmares, but that's fine. Um, so the actual thing... Your unrealistic nightmare is that he ends up in super, for- super formula. I have to get RJ to translate races for me. Like, literally help me. Um, no, the reality is that he's staying in Andretti. Joseph's going to uh, Penske. Um, probably Juan Pablo Montoya is going to go to Ed Carpenter Racing, and they'll be the grumpy dad team. It's delightful. Uh, expectation is that... Yeah, that. And then, I don't know. Bourdais at Dale Coyne. Connor Daly at AJ Foyt. Uh, the rest of it, whatever, it's fine. We'll see what happens. It'll be delightful. <clears throat> Final Ask TGG question of the show, Sarah Connors. I cannot answer this one. I do not know enough about it. But who is your most improved driver for 2016? Man, that's hard. Um, Don't know. I want to say Spencer Piggott, but he was really good the whole season as soon as he started racing for uh, Ray Hall. Yeah, are you? Uh, I guess the question is, are you comparing last year to this year? or the I'm thinking the start of the season to the end of the season. Um, not Juan Pablo Montoya. Um, Max Chilton? No, because he started out pretty okay and ended pretty okay. No significant improvement. Um... I'm trying really hard to not be a giant asshole and, you know... Just pick yeah, Alex Rossi? You know what? He... Well, no, see, Alex Rossi, like, had a... No, 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 but if you look... Alex Rossi's no, season was, no, like... No, 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 that's wrong. If you look at his um, finishes overall across the board, and this is partly chalked up to his team starting out garbage and finally getting their shit together by the end, um, his qualifying to finish... Like, positions he moved up and his improvement in actual qualifying uh, was very marked. And I mean, if you think about it, he didn't know how to do ovals at the start of the season, and he finished with a top 10 finish at Pocono. Or not Pocono, at uh, TMS. Like, Pocono was not Pocono. He didn't know how to do ovals at the start of the season. You, I like you, like, well, he didn't know how to do ovals at the start of the season. Let's not remember the, like, let's not point out that he did do very well. I'm I'm trying to leave that one in particular out because everyone will yell about it just being strategy, which, bullshit. But you know what? It was, and it's an anomaly. But also, you still have to get the car to the end. No, 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 no. I'm not disagreeing with you. (laughs) What I'm saying is but that... No, that's why I'm leaving that one out, because it's such a big stage, it's so ridiculous, it's going to get blown out of proportion no matter what. I feel like it, I feel like the Indy 500 is that one where you're just like, anything can yep. happen, yep. so... Um, like, it sits in its own little special... But yeah, no, I think actually one of the things I want to look at, um, and I'll do this over the next couple weeks probably, is I want to put together a chart of kind of... How the drivers improved over the season or did not improve over the season um, using, like 
graphic software. Uh, I think I will end up proving my point that he did better. Look, than I have to else. say, Sebastian Bourdais from the start to the finish kind of did not terribly bad for himself because he was like a bit bad at the start and then he would had a decent end. Like, well, yeah, if you're looking end, at like, one like, race. If you're looking at one specific race, but I want to look at trends. Like, I want to look at, did he get fifth, and then he got, like, 20th the next race, and then fourth? And- oh, yeah. I'm literally staring at that. You know, I, these are my favorite charts on Wikipedia. You know on IndyCar and Formula they One, the how they have yeah. those charts? Those oh, cool. I love that grid so much. And it's all pretty colors, and it's like, ha. Huh. But, yeah, so uh, the jury is still out on this one. I will come back to you probably the next podcast. I love that you're going to come back with some, like, I Here are my charts, and this, and this is why Rossi is the greatest. Here are my charts. <laughs> I'm going to hockey stats charts, the, the Sarah, crap out of you. You make, some, you make some amazing charts. And I say that as someone who, like, stopped taking math after year, like, my, like, second last year of high school. I was just like, nah, I'm not going to need this. Uh, I Look, I math well. I just was like, algebra is not going to help me at law school. So let's just not. So, Sarah Connors, I feel like we have probably run out of things to talk about. Or at least, look, we will never run out of things to talk about, but we have a list and we try and stick to it, and we have reached the bottom of I also want to watch the end of Dancing with the Stars, so we're leaving now. I also want to keep eating the Nutella out of a jar (laughs) that I've been eating throughout this We are so classy. Sarah Connors, Nutella is amazing. You're right. But I had never had Nutella before this year. Well, I wasn't allowed it as a kid for some reason. Like, my mum would never buy it. I didn't know it existed until college, and that just went south quick. It's like, I I still haven't figured out what I would put it on, because the idea of putting it on toast seems weird to me, because I'm like, oh yeah, it's bread with chocolate. That sounds terrible. Graham crackers? I've been eating it on pretzels. It's amazing on pretzels. No, no. Because, no, no, they actually sell this thing yes, the in little, Canada. I don't know how yes, they sell I've it in America. Those. The thing with the pretzel sticks, oh, it's so I also good. like it on ice cream, and I like mixing it with peanut butter, and everything is great. I find it funny, because I'm not really a chocolate person that isn't chocolate, but it's like a nutty chocolate mix. Yes, anyway, now okay. that we've reviewed Everyone Nutella for Nutella you. Everyone knows Nutella is, and this is a pointless <laughs> conversation. Anyway, yeah, I'm Sarah Connors. This is Sasky Stewart. I'm going to go watch Dancing with the Stars. Bye.